welcome to episode 352 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast, recorded live on September 12th, 2023. This is a show about Microsoft 365 and Azure from the perspective of IT pros and end users, where we discuss the topic or recent news and how it relates to you. Newsletters and SharePoint? An email? Both? After spending a bit discussing how Scott and Ben keep track of all their newsletters, news articles, PDFs, and even recipes, they talk about a new feature in SharePoint to send SharePoint news articles internally as emails and some of the potential use cases of this new feature. I'm back from up north. I got my up north shirt on. I came back you from the up north shirt on. You're always wearing an up north shirt. You've got one or you've got like the hand with the peninsula and right. you're always rocking the Michigan wear. I have maintained my Michigan wear, but while I was in Michigan, people have said I have turned into a southerner because I bought a truck. I don't know if that's necessarily Southern per se, but I absolutely do have a truck now instead of a car. I don't know if that's Southern per se either. More like an American thing, I think. Yeah. At this what point. about a dog and a shotgun? Isn't the most popular car in America like the F-150 or something like that? It is. And I did not get an F-150. Although if I could pick any truck to purchase, it would be the F-150. That's my favorite one. But when you find a good deal on one from a family member, you take what you can get. Can't fault you there. Yeah, and the F-150 Lightning, side tangent. I thought about that one because let's be honest, the Cybertruck, my opinion, Cybertruck is <laughs> the ugly. Cybertruck is a joke. <laughs> yeah. So I would love the Ford F-150 Lightning if I was going to get an electric vehicle. Although I was talking to a friend of ours the other day and he said F-150 has been having problems where... People are going to charge it and it is not letting them remove the charging cable after they charge it with the firmware update. Yeah. So I might need that ironed out. But the other appeal of the F-150 is being down here in hurricane country. If you have your house configured properly, you can use the F-150 and its battery as a battery backup for your house and probably get like three or four days off of that battery if you use your electricity Sparingly. I think that's for a normal house. I would expect for a house like yours and mine that's running like a day computers <laughs> and all sorts of extra garbage that's already on UPSs. Yeah, we get like one to two days, but it's it, it would be interesting. So I was talking to one of my coworkers. He picked up a Rivian R1T, the truck, not the SUV. Okay. So what does he think about the Rivian? Because that I've thought about that too. He absolutely loves it. It doesn't have that same capability, although I think he was saying that the Rivian folks have thought about it as well. I think it's interesting. Like you'll see more and more companies do things like that over time. So, yeah, I, I've thought about it myself, but then I'm like, back to that whole you and I have bought vehicles from family. The last vehicle I bought from family cost me $1. And I'm just going to drive that thing into the ground. So <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. But I'm a little jealous that next time we meet for coffee in person, you're not going to have the car that you're driving into the ground. You're going to have a new one. I'll be like, oh, no, now I got to be jealous. But good. I'll give you a ride. I'm all good. I'm happy for you there. I wonder if you're like me when it comes to new purchases, new things like that, in that I have all sorts of like manuals around the house, right? Like when I bought like my wife's Jeep, it was like, ooh, let me go find the PDF for that manual so I can keep it and have it ready to go. So this leads me into my Ben question of the day, because I've been on a search over over the past ooh, like year here. It's definitely been the last couple of months for the best 
read it later, keep it app kind of thing, right? Like I need a place where I can dump newsletters, PDFs, maybe the occasional article from an RSS feed, certainly things like I want to follow up on later, right? One of the big things I have is since I work from home and my wife is a teacher and she's at school and her school is like almost an hour away from our house, I do a lot of the cooking around here. So I'm always out on YouTube looking for new recipes or out on the internet scouring and doing things. Like I have a whole compendium of just like recipes tagged that point back to YouTube, TikToks, Reels, random SEO infused website, things like that. So I'm curious, do you use a service to save all that stuff? And if you do, what service do you use? It depends on the month and how I'm feeling. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, so I've tried a bunch of them. I have a dilemma with some of this stuff. I would say currently my app of choice, service of choice, is one that you sent over to me in Raindrop. I like it for the most part. I have also used Pocket in the past. And I think the biggest difference between those, and this is one I struggle with, is Raindrop is truly like a bookmark, right? It saves it. It is a bookmark manager, all-in-one bookmark manager. Yep. It is not a read later. So if you're offline or if the internet isn't working for some reason or an article goes away, it doesn't necessarily work in Raindrop as well. Pocket is more of a read later For instance, we have picked up blog posts before, I think, that have come into Pocket. Or no, maybe it was when I just grabbed them in Feedly or saved them to Pocket. But if you don't have internet access, you can go back to them. But I only tend to use it for websites. Then you talk about recipes. In those, I don't tend to use any of those because I want to make sure I have them if the website goes away or something goes on. So I tend to use a web clipper tool to pull those into something like Web OneNote. Again, I've used Evernote in the past. I have not gone down the Notion rabbit hole yet for a whole slew of reasons. But I never quite know. PDFs, same thing. Like I don't want the PDF to go away. So those I tend to download and just save to OneNote. Or not OneNote, save to OneDrive. I have a very, I would say, a relatively well-structured folder scheme in my OneDrive for different things relating to the house, to vehicles, to school, where if I can download a file, I just download a file to OneDrive. Know that I have a one solution fits all for all of that stuff. It depends on the scenario. And even then Pocket, Raindrop, I have different things I like and I don't like about both. I've flipped back and forth between those two for saving I would say those web-based content links. I have a new one that you might want to consider. I think <sighs> like we tend to be very similar in these kinds of things. What, that we're always trying new stuff? You're always looking for the, the perfect solution that can get you through all that. All right. I introduced you, I think, like you said, to Raindrop. I'm a huge fan of Raindrop. Tons and tons of stuff in there. The only place that it falls down for me is it is not a read-it-later service. So I've been bit by this a whole bunch, particularly with recipes, because so many of these things are like spammy SEO, like they got to get into the Google search results things. Those websites just come and go, like they flicker out, or like a TikTok video. It could be at one URL another day, and then ByteDance changes it, and now it's at a totally different thing, and now the link that I had doesn't work anymore. So 
things like that tend to annoy me a little bit. So I would like to introduce you to Omnivore. And Omnivore is at omnivore.app. It is an open source, read it later service, which kind of appealed to me. I was like, ooh, that's nifty. So it's not a closed ecosystem like the pockets of the world. And it does everything that you just mentioned. (laughs) So it does read it later and save them for later. It can ingest RSS feeds if you want it to and just save those things forever. It also has newsletter ingestion, which has been super powerful for me. I took all my newsletters out of email and I've moved them over to Omnivore, each on their own email address in Omnivore. So now they all just come in like nicely formatted for read it later, right? Like I follow like a product management newsletter for Lenny's newsletter. There's a bunch of other things that exist out there. It does all the labeling and tagging, just like Raindrop does. It has apps on every platform, Windows, Mac OS. It has extensions for Firefox, Chrome, Edge, all those good kinds of things. It's free right now, but it's open source. So eh, there could be some wonkiness if they don't get enough funding through the open source collective or they just don't come back and come up with a pricing model. But like, it's really good for free. I would totally pay for it if they had a pricing plan right now kind of thing going for it. And yeah, it generally does a bunch of nifty things and is good for a lot of the stuff that I wanted in a Read It Later app. So last cool thing, you and I are also fans of Obsidian. Yep. I think you use it a little bit more than I do. But there's a plugin for Obsidian. So you can take things and you can choose how you sync things over to an Obsidian vault if you want them in another place. So what I've been doing for like recipes, so I have all my recipes tagged and I'm pulling all of those into Obsidian just based on those tags into a specific like recipe vault. So every time I open it up, it just syncs with Omnivore and it just, boom, it pulls in anything else that was new in there. So I effectively have two copies of it, one in Omnivore and the other just as Markdown in Obsidian because it automatically pulled it through. And the Obsidian plugin's cool. You can choose to pull in the entire article. Okay, give me all the text and things in it. Or give me only the things that I've highlighted in Omnivore. And then it pulls through just the highlights and puts those in there as well. So I've been playing with this for two weeks and I am generally a fan of it. I'm trying to figure out like now if this sticks... What am I going to use Raindrop for? Like, how much I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much I've been using it as a bookmarking service versus I was trying to fake my way into a read it later service, which is what I really wanted. And I think I really wanted a read it later service. Because back to how I asked you about manuals and things like that's the other thing I've been pumping in there is like all the PDFs for manuals and all that just to have it all in the same place in like a virtual digital binder. See, and that's my thought with. I think that's my big thing with Raindrop too, is I really want a read it later. But I will say some things I run into, there's certain learn articles. Let's use that for an example. That I want to be able to come back to and reference around, maybe it's a certain configuration or setup. And I want to have it handy versus having to go to learn and search learn or use Bing or Google and search it. Where the bookmark is nice is that those articles get updated 
relatively regularly and being able to go and see the latest updates on that article are nice versus just having it essentially cached and read it later. So I think this is, Omnivore is interesting because it's the best of both worlds here in that you tell it, hey, ingest the content from this URL and it ingests it, but then you still have the link back to the original URL if you want it. So you can always go reference it. And re-ingest. You can always go back and reference it. So the learn one's a good example. So I was doing this the other day with a learn module that I was working on updating. So I pulled in all, it was a, a full module with, I think it had six units in it. So one module, six units kind of thing. So I pulled all uh, like the overview page in and all the individual things in. And then I had those sync into Obsidian. So great, I had the full text in Obsidian which is in Markdown. And then I went back and I just went into Obsidian and I started running through it, making notes, making updates, adding, oh, I would do this differently. Oh, this ARM template's wrong. This CLI command needs to be updated, all that. And then I just had all the Markdown on the other side just to spit it back out into a PR to get it all updated and ready to go. So it was an interesting way like, to approach it and have it all come through without having to do what I normally do is copy pasta the website or go try and find it in the learn repo. But then you've got all like the weird metadata tags and things that are on like Microsoft web pages associated with learn properties. Like I didn't necessarily want all that stuff to come with it. So yeah, it's been pretty nifty. And like I said, the other really cool one is newsletters for me. There's a lot of newsletters that I want to save, but I don't really end up saving because I just click the archive button in Gmail or whatever it is, and then I forget that they're there for all time. Yep. So now I have all my newsletters coming in. They all get tagged as newsletter. They get a piece of metadata that says, oh, this is newsletter. And then, then I can come back and save all those and filter and sort by them and, and re-tag them as they come in and all that stuff. So that has been super good as well. So you might want to go check out Omnivore. And if others out there listening to this and you're going like, oh, this has nothing to do with the cloud, blah, blah, blah. Like it does. This is really the way like we all think and retain information and all that stuff. Maybe you have a better service. Let us know about it. So I have one last question with this, kind of as it relates to the podcast. Where does this leave you? Do you still use all your RSS feeds then? One thing I like about Raindrop and some of those other ones is I use Feedly for everything and it integrates really nice with Feedly. So I don't necessarily have to go out to the article to save it to a service because they have hooks directly into Feedly for RSS feeds. And it's interesting, Feedly, you can also ingest newsletters into. I haven't done that yet with Feedly, but I'm curious, do you, as you see articles coming in over RSS, like stuff we want to talk about for the podcast, are you going to the link then to ingest them into Omnivore or... What is that workflow like? Yeah, so so go to the link individually and and send that through. So I'm still trying to make the distinction in my head between it's something that I want to save for a little while or it's something that I truly want to read later. Right? And I'll take Feedly and, and an RSS feed or something like that and a link that comes through for the podcast for like that stuff. I just keep it in Feedly because it's a little... Feedly is a little in RSS and, and even to a certain degree some of these other services, they're a little more ephemeral to me in that like most things that I would see like in an RSS feed for the podcast, like we're going to talk about it within 30 to 60 days. Like at some point it's going to age out and go away and then I'm done with it versus that recipe that I know 
oh, I'm going to want that forever or the manual for the car, right? Like I want that snapshot in time, like whatever it is, that thing needs to stick around. Yeah. So I've just been pulling over individual ones and then everything else I leave over in over in Feedly. I haven't liked Feedly's newsletter integration and mainly because I use RSS feeds as a slightly ephemeral thing, right? Like they age out over time and they go away. Newsletters, like the product management newsletter that I do, Lenny's newsletter, I want every single one of those for all time to go back and refer to. I don't want it to age out and go away and then have to remember, oh, it's in this certain folder in Feedly or whatever it is. That's a little too much for me to get to. And then some things like Lenny's newsletter is a Substack thing. Like I'm super afraid that Substack is going to go under and go away someday. And then all that stuff is just going to be gone and it's not going to be available on the internet anymore. So yeah, I pull it over that other way. But it's been another tool in the toolbox, right? And I'm very much into it right now. Like I started out with it for newsletters because I wanted to see how its newsletter integration was on the Omniover side. And it turns out like it's pretty darn slick. So pulled that through and, and made that work. And for the low price of free as in beer, certainly go donate to an open source project if you can, then you're off to the races. And like I said, it's got a really good ecosystem. Like apps on iOS, Android, they follow like design on each system. So like I've got like my little play around Android Pixel phone here. Like it's all good there. iOS. Mac OS, Windows, it just like works on everything. And then all the major web browsers. You've got the same thing as you do with Raindrop. Like there's just an extension there. Click the button, classify it, and ship it, and then come back later. Oh, you can. It has beta too, where you can add RSS feeds to Omnivore directly. Yeah, it, it'll do RSS and Atom. The thing I'm not comfortable with there is, like I said, I treat RSS as slightly ephemeral. If there's things that I want to save, they tend to be individual things. Like one of the RSS feeds I follow is for a deal site. It gives you like, oh, hey, like Macs are on sale today. This latest camera lens at B&H Photo, blah, blah, blah. Go buy a Lenovo computer over here. Like all that stuff. I don't want to save that stuff in perpetuity, right? I want it to go away. And it's probably not a healthy habit to have it coming in out of RSS feed and seeing it all the time anyway like that. So yeah, but it does, like I said, it does Obsidian. It's got a bunch of different app integrations. Like on the Mac, they have a native services plugin for sending PDFs into it. They have a fully published API. You can use webhooks if that's your thing. I believe you can also self-host it, but I haven't gone down that path and tried that one. Yeah, I saw that in the documentation. I also saw sharing. I see some stuff that, given it's new, that's in the documentation that I don't actually see how to do within the app itself. Might be one for you to try out and see. It sounds like you struggle in some of the same ways that I do with trying to rationalize this stuff and figure it out. I absolutely do. So I am going to check this out and play around with it. Do you feel overwhelmed by trying to manage your Office 365 environment? Are you facing unexpected issues that disrupt your company's productivity? Intelligent is here to help. Much like you take your car to the mechanic that has specialized knowledge on how to best keep your car running, 
Intelligent helps you with your Microsoft Cloud environment because that's their expertise. Intelligent keeps up with the latest updates in the Microsoft Cloud to help keep your business running smoothly and ahead of the curve. Whether you are a small organization with just a few users up to an organization of several thousand employees, they want to partner with you to implement and administer your Microsoft Cloud technology. Visit them at intelligent.com slash podcast. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-I-N-K dot com slash podcast for more information or to schedule a 30-minute call to get started with them today. Remember, Intelligent focuses on the Microsoft Cloud so you can focus on your business. So now that we have gone down that 20-minute rabbit hole of managing (laughs) articles, which to your point is very relevant because this is something we deal with a lot when it comes to Microsoft 365 and Azure and newsletters and all of that, is there is some news around newsletters and SharePoint to get back on the Microsoft cloud track. So this is a new SharePoint news for email feature. So you can now have your SharePoint news come into email in Omnivore, Scott, with this. And yes, I initially saw this and I was, I have mixed feelings, but I also can see where it could be beneficial as what this feature essentially does is it allows you to convert your SharePoint news posts into distributions that can be emailed. Now, we're both longtime SharePoint people and my initial thought was, well, I thought we created SharePoint and we created news in SharePoint so that we don't have to get all of these emails and we can just go to SharePoint and view the news there versus continuing to clutter our mailbox and post this in two places. But I don't know if that's ever actually come to fruition the way Microsoft envisioned or sold it either. And your experience with some of the stuff you do, you were actually really excited about this particular feature. Yes. So. This feels like a feature that was built for people at Microsoft, and I think that's okay. (laughs) I read some kind of negative sentiment about this. So the always awesome Tony Redmond saw this one pop up, was on it, looked at it, and he's, I don't get it. Like, why would you want to take the content that's in a SharePoint site and then just push it out through email because it's already in SharePoint. It's one of those things that when you sit down and think about it, it's the way he framed it, and I can see how he landed here, is it's a feature that's seeking a problem or really it's a hammer that's just out there looking for a nail, right? And anything's going to be a nail to give it another analogy. And I get how he landed there. And the reason he landed there is because he said it's easy to copy and paste interesting news snippets into a regular email if you want to. And I say yes to that, but also very much no to that. So let me give you a use case. Okay. I work at Microsoft, right? And one of the things that happens at Microsoft is email makes the world go round. There are just some times that you can't compel people to go and look at a SharePoint site. I have the RSS feed, so I might see the new news article pop up in the SharePoint site. Not everybody's going to do that, right? But everybody has Outlook on their mobile devices and everything else. So there's certain things that you just want to communicate to your organizations that frankly have to happen through email 
But email is a great delivery mechanism to do the initial communication. It's not a great communication mechanism for keeping the information for later. So one of the things that I do is I work on a virtual team that puts together our kind of internal newsletter and for our whole organization. And that newsletter is everything for, oh, here's what's upcoming in like planning and what you should be thinking about from like the PMO. Here's an interesting customer story. Like we're always working on like gnarly customer problems and we want to disseminate those to the team, both our PMs and our engineers. Okay, let's show you how our customers are actually using our products. We do engineering stories, we do team updates, all the feature updates, all those kinds of things, right? And, and we need to get those out. But there's units of information that I want to retain for a long time. Like all those customer stories are valuable case studies to go back and look at later. So I want all those like in a SharePoint site where I can go back and refer to them and search for them and say, like, oh, what did we do with Contoso Toys last year? That was like the big whiz bang thing. So the way that I started out is when I, when I started with this whole newsletter thing, like I was in charge of figuring out, like, okay, where's it going to land? What's it going to do? So I was like, I, I'm a SharePoint person. I'll just put it all in SharePoint. There's yep. news posts. There's all these things. I can have lists and I can tag and classify and blah, blah, blah. So I made the world's most awesome SharePoint site. And I came back and I said, okay, folks, let's do our first newsletter in SharePoint. We wrote everything up on the web page and we got it ready to go. And then it came to, oh, how are we going to send the newsletter? Well, if you use the native functionality that was there before this new stuff that was announced, literally it was just a block of text, right? Like a paragraph and a picture that came through in the email. That doesn't convey the whole message for people who aren't going to go visit the SharePoint site. So that doesn't work. What's the other alternative? Well, Tony said, hey, maybe we just copy and paste out into a regular email. The problem is you're not copying and pasting into a regular email. Like your newsletter has a specific format. Often it has a header picture at the top. It might have a standard footer, like a button that's always there that says, hey, click here to contact the team and, and let us know more about what's going on. Like all those kinds of things. So that implies that there's some level of kind of formatting and, and rigor there. So of course, not only do I have a SharePoint site to deal with, now I have an email template. So now I'm not just copying and pasting into an email. I'm copying and pasting from SharePoint into an email template, which then I have to reformat, put all together, redo my tables, redo my headings. I have to redo all the links, right? Because we have an index at the top that says, hey, here's the contents. And so that takes not a ton of time, but it's at least like 30 minutes every time to fix the format and get it all done. So for me, like this is, I don't care that this feels like it was built for somebody like me. This is absolutely what I want is just a button where I can click a button and it puts together an email in HTML that is formatted exactly, well, not exactly, but as close as it can be to the SharePoint page itself. It can only send to internal people. Perfect. Click the button, go, and I'm done. Now I get my SharePoint page done, locked, ready to go. It's all set. I get the email to go out and I get all the information retained in SharePoint. And everything is everything that's beautiful out there about it. So I don't know. Like personally, I am excited about this one. I think if you run internal newsletters, particularly branded newsletters, not oh, I just slapdash this and it goes into a weekly report to my boss kind of thing. But like, I need it to look a little bit better. I need it to be consistent in how it looks, how it comes through all these things. This does solve a problem for certain types of organizations. I can see that. And I can see like the use case that you gave when we were talking about this and just now of 
being able to send it as an email for those people that still prefer emails or want to read it in emails, but then have it maintained for however long in SharePoint where it is searchable, it's findable, it could be pulled into topics, maybe newer people. Let's say someone joins Microsoft and someone makes a reference to, oh, did you see this in the latest newsletter? Maybe a new employee didn't get the latest newsletter because they weren't there yet. They could go back and view the history of newsletters in SharePoint. Well, again, still having that ability to email it out. I can see some value there. As you were talking, I was also, I'm sitting here thinking through like certain organizations may have a lot of the frontline workers, the workers that maybe don't visit SharePoint. They're only on a mobile device. They're always out on the road. They're not sitting here. Let me go browse SharePoint news articles on my phone. Mm -hmm. Being able to reach them with an email of, let's put this in SharePoint. The people that are sitting at their desk that are in SharePoint every day can see it. The people that really only live in email can get that same nicely formatted news article, everything right in their email. So I agree. I think the initial announcement, I had some of that skepticism and stuff that maybe Tony Redmond had. But as we've talked through this, I would say this feature has grown on me as I'm seeing more of these use cases of this kind of makes sense. It eases the work for people that write these newsletters. I think it's a valid, nice feature for certain situations. It's not going to be for everybody, but there are absolutely use cases for this one. I think if you want to see, and it's another thing that in the back of my head makes this uh, makes me think this is not a feature that's potentially like seeking out a problem to solve. Go look at the tech community post for this. I'll have a link in the notes, but and just go read through the comments. There's a ton of comments that aren't like, oh, this is a great thing, nice to see. It's actually comments, and these are the types of comments that I'd love to see from customers when we release things, is there are comments that push back and suggest new features. Like, oh, hey, did you think about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And there's already two pages. I think there's 25 comments a page, something like that. But it's already spilling over to like page two with just all this actionable feedback for hey, here's ways that this could potentially be better. Did you think about this? Is this coming next? All that kind of stuff, which generally gives me the feeling that you're on the right track, right? Like people read it, people saw it, they looked at it, they maybe played with it and they said, ooh, but now I need it to do this and it's perfect for me. That's a great first step for an MVP to get it out the door. So I get it. Like email is boring. We all think that knowledge workers and information workers should be able to adapt to like the way we think as geeks for how we put all this together. The reality is that's just not the way the world works, right? So you've got to get on a different kind of train to get all that stuff going and, and get it to where it needs to be. So the other thing that I would recommend is if you go to that tech community post, there's a video in there. So Go watch the video. It will answer 95% of your questions <laughs> where you might be thinking like, does it do this? Does it do this? Oh, I'm just going to go fire off a comment or just watch the video. I think it explains some of the weird nuance that's there with this feature as it exists today and just how to get going with it. So I'm generally a fan. Like I said, like this fills an actual like gap in a pain point in my life. And I love features like that, that like they just make an end user's life easier. And for me as an end user, like super selfishly, 
this is one of those things that makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, and this should be there now or shortly for everybody. Like this kind of got announced. When did this article come out? We're a little slow. It was published August 29, but it was rolling out to targeted release customers starting in August. So probably the day this was published should be there for everyone by the end of September 2023. So the end of this month. And there's a couple of things in the FAQ. The other one that's nice about this, Scott, having those tied together is the view counter. If your company cares about analytics, how many people are viewing it, the view counter on your SharePoint news article is going to include both the SharePoint views as well as if people are viewing the article through the email client. So you do still get a cumulative view count as well of how many people are actually reading my newsletter. They're pulling in, I think, some analytics from Graph and other things in there, which is good. It is. I would agree. I have been flipped over to this is from why to this is a nice nifty little feature. Glad I maybe sort of... You converted me. Convinced you. We'll see if I can convert you to Omni4 or you're going to come back or our super awesome listeners are going to come back and they're going to let us know that there's this totally other awesome service out there that we just were missing out on. And it does everything. And the answer is not allowed to be Evernote. Like OneNote or Evernote are not the answer. OneNote, Evernote, nor Notion. Those three are off the table for the solution for tracking all this stuff. (laughs) I'm going to exclude those. You know what? Somebody's going to come back with one of the other note-taking ones like Bear or... Bear doesn't work either because it's iOS only. Like You got to be multi-platform. Multi-platform. All right. Multi-platform, a little bit of markdown here. Yeah. Read it later, newsletters, RSS. Like You got a lot to live up to. Although you say that, but Omnivore... Did they have a Windows app? I mean, you got the website and the PWA if they don't, but... I see they have a Mac OS app. Was I, did I see that somewhere? Or is it just web for Mac and it's just mobile apps? I'm just using it on the web if they do have an app. I believe they just have... I believe their app story is PWAs. Got it. That'll work on everything, but they do have everything on like mobile app ecosystem. So iOS and Android are ready to go. Well, Android, they say, is pre-release, but like it's fine. <laughs> it totally works for what it needs to work to and getting done. And then they have extensions in every browser. So it's not even one of those weird ones where you're like, ooh, I'm an Edge user, but I have to go enable Chrome extensions. Like they just had an Edge extension out of the gate. Very nice. Yep. I'm going to go play with this. All right. Cool. Hey, look at that. 30 minutes on stuff. Omnivore and SharePoint news. <laughs> All right. Well, Scott, go enjoy your day. Go enjoy the Apple event today if you're going to watch it. Oh, yeah, it is It is Apple event day. We got that coming up. It is Apple event day. Are you going to order a new phone? I still don't feel like I need a new phone. I'm on the fence. I'm three years into my phone, and I have noticed the battery starting to die a little quicker, although it could also be because I'm on the beta of iOS. I did put the beta on it the other day. Me too. Beta all the things. So I figured it's it's coming sooner. So so the battery thing is interesting. And I've done this in the past. I was super hesitant the first time I did it. But even if you're not under warranty, a battery replacement under Apple is like a hundred bucks, 120 bucks. So like usually what I do is because I do hand-me-down devices to the kids, is the day we do the hand-me-down thing, we go to the Apple store and we just get the batteries replaced. And then, boom, they're just back on the next life cycle and ready to go. And even me, I mean, I'm rocking a 13 Pro, I think. And my battery health is like 92% right now. It's okay, but I can still make it through a day. 
But if it dipped below 90 and there's no whiz bang, ooh, I must have that feature, then, which I don't think there still will be, like we're still in this iterative cycle for phones. So I think it's maybe just new battery time. Yeah, I'm on an 11 Pro and my battery health. Oh, see, I bet it's the beta. It's something running in the background on the beta. My maximum capacity for my battery health yet is still 97%. You're still pretty good there then. The only thing I will say, like the USB is tempting, but I still have a few lightning devices around. Like my AirPods are still lightning and I still have a couple... Do I have any iPads? The kids have some lightning iPads. So I'm like, a new phone to USB-C is not going to prevent me from carrying around some lightning chargers and having those around. So maybe I'll... Try to get out one more year and let's face it, I just bought a truck. So I don't need a new phone. <laughs> let's wait for the ecosystem to catch up. Yeah, we'll see. Apologies to the folks who listened to the episode after this one because it will likely be a Ben and Scott become Mac podcasters for a day. Yeah, we might have to go down our our Apple Geek Out episode and to all of you, I'm sorry, we'll be back in another week or two with... <laughs> Back to the cloud news because at heart, we are still tech geeks that love our Apple stuff. We'll get all that sorted too. But all right, I got to hop to a meeting. You got to hop to a meeting. So sounds good. Let's get it done. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Scott. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five-star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out so more IT pros can learn about Office 365 and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.